uh, stand up. And uh, before we begin, I'm going to have my good brother, Lawrence, the Law Rodriguez, come up and share a quick testimony of what the Lord has done in his life lately. So please give a warm welcome to Lawrence. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to testify really quick. About a year ago, literally uh, tonight, um, it's going to mark the anniversary of when uh, my old apartment, uh, my family's old apartment caught on fire. And it was about 3 a.m. in the morning. We were all asleep. And then all of a sudden we were awoken by, you know, screams, shouts, people that lived above us and everything. And uh, by God's grace, we were able to escape the building unharmed. Everybody in the building uh, was able to get out safely. But, uh, you know, that, that was such a challenge for me and my family. You know, we, we lost so much in the fire. Uh, the place was wrecked. We were about homeless for about a month. And uh, through it all, though, I can so testify that God's peace was with me. God's peace was with my family. And I remember one moment uh, looking at the fire and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I probably lost everything. Who knows, you know, how, how bad this fire can, will, will get. Um, and then in that moment, I remembered, wait a minute, I still have Jesus with me. That even in the fire, even if I lost everything, I would have still had God, and that would have been enough. And, uh, you know, I just want to share this verse in Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, uh, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, in, in, our, in our day and age, when there's all kinds of chaos, uh, murders, violence in the streets of Chicago and all across the world, God's peace is real, and it transcends all of it, and we can count on Christ to, to guide us and to guard our hearts and to sustain us in these troubled times. Amen? So I'm just going to pray real quick. Uh, before we uh, start worship. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that you're in this place right now, God. And we just ask you that your peace would come and fill this room even now as we speak, Lord God. We just ask you that you would move, that you would have your way, God, that you would speak to hearts, Lord God, and that you would touch everybody in this place, Lord God. Draw in new people, Lord God. I pray that you would draw in the lost, God, even as the service is going on, Lord God, and let your will be done today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, God is good. How many of you guys can say that you are free this afternoon? Has Jesus set you free? Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. Come on, if you're raising your hand, I'm going to invite you to come up to the front. Come on, this song talks about, man, I'm not going to let anything hold me back, that I'm free. Come on, as you're making your way up to the front, can you just say, I'm free? I'm free. Hallelujah. Come on, help us sing that. I'm chosen. I am chosen. I am free. I am living for eternity. Hold me back. Nothing's gonna 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 hold me back. Noth
want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real, death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above, singing as one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Declare that, hallelujah. 
the great I am. Come on, lift up your hands all across this room. God is the God of our city. Chicago belongs to him. I want you to think of everything that's happening in the world. All the Christians that are being martyred all across the nations. What's happening here in our own city with the violence, the murders. We need God. We need God and Jesus is the answer. And today we get to gather together to worship the great I am before the one whose mountains will shake. Demons will flee from his presence. There is nothing too big in your life that God cannot fix. There's nothing too great in this world that we have to face that God cannot be there with us. And I want us to sing this again with high, with hands held high, shouting, lifting our voices. The mountains shake before him. Think about the majesty of heaven. Think about how awesome Jesus is. At the mention of our name, King of majesty, there is no that worship you in spirit and in truth. For those are the kind of worshipers the, the, the Father seeks. That's what the Bible says, my friends. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. He is worthy of our praise. There is no one else that is worthy of our praise. He is our king. He is our savior. He is our almighty God. And he is here to meet with you today. If you are far from him, come close to him. Draw near to him. God, we worship you. We thank you. We bless your holy name today. And everybody said, 
Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Woo, we serve an awesome God. He is so awesome. If you could please remain standing, we're going to prepare to take communion together as a church family. Our ushers at this time are going to pass out the elements, and I want to preach the gospel to you. If you're not right with God in this room, if you've never been born again, today is a day for your salvation. The Bible says we're not promised tomorrow. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, and he died for all. Say, for all. for all. Jesus didn't just come to die for some. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I want to let you know today that you cannot live for yourself. Your own works you trying to fix yourself is not going to get you to heaven. You have to be born again. You have to live for the one that died for you, for the one that rose again. And Jesus died for our sin. Our sin separated us from a loving God. We could not have a relationship with God. But Jesus came to make that possible. He came and shed his blood so that it could wash us clean, make us white like snow. And today is a day for you to be saved. We're not promised tomorrow. We must live for Jesus, not for ourselves, not for our own desires, but for the one who died for all. And his name is Jesus. And nothing in this world compares to him. Nothing in this world, no pleasure, no material possession, nothing compares to living a life for Jesus. He is the only way to get to heaven. With all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to take inventory of your life. I want you to examine your heart, especially before we take communion. The Bible says to examine our hearts to make sure we're right with God. If you know in this place you need to get right with Jesus, you're not living for him, you're not following his commands, you're living in sin, get right with God today because you're not promised tomorrow. And he's not going to let us into heaven because we look cute. He's going to let us into heaven only if the blood of Jesus is covering us from head to toe. So I want to pray for you as your eyes are closed. Jesus, I pray that you would arrest us in the spirit right now. For those that are not right with you, that today would be their spiritual birthday. Today they would be born again. Today they would let you in and stop rejecting you. And today they would live for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. If you meant that prayer... We're going to have prayer workers here to the side during our fellowship time. They're going to be leaders in our church ready to pray with you and for you and to teach you how to plug into our discipleship here at MPI. Thank you for joining us today. Let's continue the attitude of worship as we prepare to take communion. We are taught to take communion so that we can remember what the Lord did for us. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it 
in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we know he's coming back. Let's partake of the wafer together. Let's pray. Augustine, I'm going to switch with you. I'm assuming yours is open already. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your body that was beaten and bruised for us. We thank you for taking our place so that we could have a relationship with God. We thank you for your body that you willingly put on that cross. You did not fight against it. We thank you. We remember your great sacrifice for us. Let's partake of the wafer. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for your precious blood. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus. There is power in your blood, and we thank you that you shed it for us to forgive us of our sins, heal us of our sicknesses and our sorrows. We thank you. We remember your sacrifice. Let's partake of the grape juice together. Hallelujah. At this time, Rachel's going to lead us in a song. Let's worship. Let's lift up our hands. Think about Jesus, your king, willingly giving his life on that cross so that you could be saved from destruction. We have eternal life in Jesus because he paid it all for us.
give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And everybody said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. For he is worthy. He is worthy. Let's recite this confession of faith on the count of three. This is our Christian worldview. This is why we recite this week after week. This is how we see our world on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. You can come up here and get prayer by our prayer workers. Spend some time fellowshipping and shaking somebody's hand.
excited to be at church this morning. Make some noise. Come on. Welcome to Metro Praise International. For those that don't know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And we want to welcome you all for coming back. Welcome those who are here for the first time. We thank you for choosing MPI to worship the Lord this afternoon. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus. God is doing a move, a mighty, mighty work in our young people. We're just so proud of them. Our vision here at MPI is loving God and loving people. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. Look to your neighbor say get connected. And you may ask, how do I do that? Well, in the back of your handouts, we have a schedule of life groups that we have for you because how you get connected at MPI is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. Take a look at the list, times, places, the types of life groups. Everything is there to meet the needs of yourself and for your family. So find a place to belong. I really want to encourage everybody to find a life group. That's where you're going to get connected. And we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week. So today we're kicking it off with our single moms meeting. Child care is always included. They're meeting at 5 p.m. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, meeting at the church at 6.30. So if you have any children in that age group, you want them to be here on Wednesdays for our Royal Rangers Boys Club and our Impact Girls Club. And then every Friday, somebody say every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. You've got to be there if you're an adult. You don't want to miss what God is doing. Go there, build some lasting friendships, get connected, get closer to God. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism. All ages are welcome. Meeting here at the church at 5 p.m. every single week, going out to the streets and preaching the gospel. And if you've never done that, we want to encourage you to do it. It'll change your life and somebody else's life. And then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. They'll do that one-on-one -on -one and really bless you and your walk and your journey with the Lord. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where your discipleship journey will continue and you'll get trained up to be a leader. And then we want to keep sending you out to win more souls for the Lord. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace and you want to be a part of it, say amen. Yes because it's by the power of God that we're going to do it. And it takes faithful and committed people to reach a vision, to reach a goal. We believe that God has given us that vision, the strategy, the goal, and we want to do it until he comes back. Come on, I'm excited. Who's excited to learn about tithes and offerings today? We're going to be in section three on stewardship from the Disciples Giving Book. You can go to givingbook.org, disciplesgivingbook.org, or follow along on the screen. Today is lesson eight. Stewards are to be faithful. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So we've been learning for the past several weeks that God wants us to be wise managers, faithful stewards of the things that he's given to us because he's going to hold us accountable one day to that. We're going to be reading from Matthew 25, 23. Matthew 25, 23. You can follow along on the screen. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Here are the three main points from that verse. Number one, God will judge our faithfulness. 
Jesus taught his disciples to be ready to face God on judgment day and give an account of their lives. The most important aspect of the judgment will be in regards to the disciples' faithfulness to do all that God commanded him or her to do. So on that day of judgment, you do not want God to say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. You want to be found to be faithful, a faithful disciple, and you want God to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Number two, we are to be faithful in little. Even Donald Trump, in comparison to God's riches, has little. Therefore, we are to always be faithful with everything we have been given by God, whether it's with our talents, finances, family, ministry, or career. Be faithful stewards. Be wise in your dealings with everything that God has given to you because you've got to do it as unto the Lord. And number three, faithful disciples will be rewarded. Jesus promised to reward his faithful disciples with the true riches of his kingdom. Therefore, don't let the temporary pleasures of this world tempt you to be faithless. For example, some may think withholding their tithes benefits them now. But in the long run, they will lose the true blessings of God. Because as we give to God's kingdom here on earth, we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Here's a summary. Be faithful with little and God will give you much. Let's apply this in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income. And offerings, anything you give after the tithes. Two, always remain humble and see yourself as God's servant. And three, be faithful to everything God commands you to do. Because we want to please him, follow his commands. Let's recite this confession over our life. On the count of three, one, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want that, if you believe that, stand up to your feet with me, please, this afternoon as we prepare to give God our very, very best, our tithes and our offerings, because we want to see his kingdom come to this earth. Again, at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of your total income. An offering is anything above that, which we designate towards missions and building. We want to thank you for partnering with us in both of those areas, especially currently in the building fund as we raise the monies for that lit up sign to go across the building, Metro Praise International Church. We're so close. We're almost there. God is moving, and it's through your generosity, through your partnership, because one person can do it with God on our side and everybody rallying together. We can see God do so much in our city. We also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church. One is at our easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back with me or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, you can please see me after service. And let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in our lives. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. I pray that out of the abundance of our heart, our generosity, that you would take what we give and multiply it for your kingdom to come to this earth. We ask that Chicago will be saved, America will be saved, that the nations will hear the gospel to the ends of the earth. Use us to be a mighty witness. Use us to bring your kingdom to this earth through our generosity, through our giving, God. And we just thank you. And I know that you're going to take care of our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give and thank you so much for your generosity.
right, how many are ready for a baby dedication? Make some noise. Amen, amen. Hey, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. Good to see everybody here. We're going to do two baby dedications. Before we do, I want to talk a little bit about marriage and family. I want to talk about the purpose of marriage and the purpose of family. Now, our church loves to do baby dedications. We'll dedicate babies from any family of any kind. But we always have to remember that families are honored by God when they're married together and raising them in the fear and admonition of God. Does everybody know what the word admonition means? It means teaching, teaching. Okay, so look quickly with me to Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, and we're going to bless the children today and give a message for everybody to hear about marriage and family before I preach. How many want to learn about marriage and family? All right, this is what the Bible says. We're going to put it up on the screen. Matthew 19, 5, Jesus is talking, and he says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. Okay, that's not the scripture. They'll get it up there for me. But just listen to me as I read it again. It says, This reason, everybody say, This reason is the reason why a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will be one flesh. So we live in a world today where a lot of people live together, have sex without being married. And so I want to encourage, if you're doing that, you need to get married. That's what the Bible says. So I want my brother, can you show everybody? I don't want you just to think I'm making it up. I want everybody to see what the Bible says about marriage. Okay, marriage. And I'll even have a time of questions right now. So, Jose, get the microphone as well, and I'll ask questions from the audience. If anybody here has a question about marriage, I'll answer it right now. I really will. Do we have a marriage life group today? When, when is the marriage life group? Next Sunday. Good. Janice has a question. Let her do that as Steve figures out where this scripture is at. Are you having trouble? question is as we're getting there 195 195 Matthew is Jesus talking what's your question Janice real quick shoot it off I want to know do your uh, husband come first before your kids your husband should come first before your kids because the, the husband was there before your kids but not in needs emotional but not in physical so Nancy has to take care of me before emotionally before she gets with the children, because if I'm not a good, if I'm not full emotionally, I'm going to leave the family, and then the kids won't have a father. Does everybody get that? Now, when do kids come before the husband, that come before the father, when it comes to physical needs? So who should get food first? If there's, if there's only one apple, who should get the apple, the, the husband or the kids? Give it to the kids. But if the husband needs to talk to the wife and says, I need to talk to you, we need to work on situations, and she says, I'm so busy with the kids, is that the right thing to say? No, she needs to put her husband first. Otherwise, the husband's going to talk to the secretary and find another woman to talk to his problems about. Okay, quickly, I want to get to anybody else. Questions? Is that scripture up there? Highlight it so everybody can see it, please. Quickly, uh, yes. Okay, I want to know, what if you get married, you already have kids, your husband come first still? He still has to come emotionally first. If he emotionally is not coming first, he's not going to treat you well. Just think about that. If I say to my if, – if, if Nancy says to me, I'm too busy, I'm with the kids, is that going to make me love her more? Is that going to make me be more loyal to her? Now, if the man does not have a good wife, does that give him an excuse to go cheat? 
Never gives the excuse to go cheat. It's still his fault. He should not do that. He should go to the wife and say, honey, you're always busy with the kids. You're always wearing your pajamas. You're not wearing the sexy thing that I like you to wear anymore. You're not putting on your makeup anymore. You're not doing your hair anymore. You say the kids mess it up all the time. You got to take care of me. Now, I got to be honest with my wife. Now, she said, well, I'm not doing it. I can't go leave her. I can go get other women in the church and, and, and find a woman that's taking care of herself and the kids and her husband and say, hey, help my wife do all three. Because she got to take care of herself, she got to take care of the kids, and she got to take care of me. Now, ask me the same thing about the father. Does his kids come before the wife? No, because if he doesn't treat mama right, there will be no home. Hello? If I'm always doing things for the kids, doing things for the kids, and I'm never spending time with my wife, are they going to have a good mother? We're going to get divorced. How many came from a divorced home? How many came from a home where mother and father were not in the same home? How many of you came from a house where mom and dad were in the same home? Same home. Look at that. It's the minority now. Do you see that? The minority of people only grow up with the mom and dad in the same home. Now, the rest who did not grow up with the same mom, same dad in the home, do you want your kids to have that? Do you want them to grow up only with the mom over here and a dad over here? That's the minority now, though, is that only the parents are with both, right? Any other questions? Anybody else? Quickly. I want to show you a few more scriptures. I want to talk about marriage, sex, what it's all about. We're going to do baby dedications, but I want you guys to see this. As we're doing another question, go with me to the book of Hebrews, quickly. And write it down, Steve. Come on. Steve, you got my back in the back? Come on. Go to Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 4. Anybody else got a question? If they think of one, hold on to it, because they may think of one after this. How many believe the Bible? How many don't believe the Bible? Okay, if you don't believe the Bible, come see me after church, okay? I mean that seriously. I mean that seriously. If you have a problem with the Bible, come see me after church. It's okay. I'm not afraid to talk about it, right? What do you believe? Tell me. Somebody says, I believe the Quran. Somebody says, I believe the Bhagavad Gita, the teaching of the Hindus. Oh, somebody says, I just believe in science. It's okay. Come talk to me. Look at this passage right here, Hebrews 13, verse 4. If you're there, say I'm there. Everybody should be there if you have it up there, right? Look at what it says. Marriage should be honored by how many people? How many people should honor marriage? Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge. Who's God, God going to judge? Is God just going to judge the murderer, the Hitlers, the, the pedophiles? Who else is God going to judge? God will judge the adulterers of those who have sex with people they're not married, uh, uh, that are married uh, other than their spouse, you having sex with a married person and you ain't the one they married to. Does everybody get adultery? Anybody remember, uh, what was it called? Desperate Housewives? Eva Longoria? Any girls here want to be like her? It's, it, it may have been fun to watch. Some guys might be fantasizing about that. Hey, I would like to have an affair with that woman. But hey, how would you like another man fantasizing about your wife saying, I'd like to have an affair with her? See, nobody really likes adultery, do we? We only think it's pleasurable for the moment, but we don't really like it. That's why nobody really, really, really wants to teach their kids to do that, right? Have you, do you think you would be good if you taught your kids, hey, hey, listen, hey, listen, I cheat on your mom. When you get older, do what I do. I have three daughters. You think my daughters would like that? If I had a little episode of de Desperate Housewives in my house, my kids come home, who's that in bed, Ma? Uh, who's that in bed, Dad? Shh, don't tell your mom. That's my girlfriend. How many think that would be a good example for my daughters? See, we don't want to teach them that, do we? We want to teach them marriage. Now watch the next thing. Who else is God going to judge? He'll judge the adulterer, and who else? Sexually immoral. Now what does that mean, immoral? Does that mean you're a bad person? Does that mean you don't treat people nice? No, immoral means you broke the laws sexually. How did God intend sex to be? Husband and wife, man and woman. Is homosexuality immoral? 
Yes, it is. It doesn't matter what Oprah says. It doesn't matter what our president says. You might say, you know what, the, the laws are changing. You Christians should change. You need to go back and study history. You know where Christianity came from? The Roman Empire. Anybody ever heard of the Roman Empire? Do you think they were Christians? Roman Empire were polygamists. They were homosexual. They were lesbian. They said of Caesar that he was every man's woman and every man's man. Imagine that. Imagine you knowing your president is every man's woman and every man's man. That's what they said of Caesar. He was gross. He was perverted. They had orgies all over Rome. Orgies. It's in the Bible. Turn there. Galatians 5.21. You don't believe me? It's in there. Sexually immoral. So everybody look at me, please. God will judge you if you have sex with another person's husband or wife, and God will judge you if you have sex outside of marriage, husband and wife. Not husband and husband because that is immoral. Only husband and wife. Now, I said a lot there. I'm going to show you one more scripture. Any questions? We're dedicating children today. We're dedicate. You know why we dedicate children? Because Jesus loves the children. But we as the parents, we got to do the best thing for our children, all of us. So I'm married. So if somebody could say, Pastor, you're trying to judge me because you're married? No, because I could commit adultery. My friend's a pastor. He committed adultery. How many would like to go to his church? Seriously. My friend's a pastor, committed adultery. You want to go to his church? Aren't you happy I'm not committing adultery? So do the same. Don't you commit adultery. How many of you would like it if I just had a girlfriend and, and some kids? Do you think I would be a good example to you? Would you still come here? Right? So here's the idea. God judges us, but God will forgive us. How do we get forgiven? When we repent of our sin. If we don't admit we were wrong, God can't forgive us. If we go around thinking we're right, God can't forgive us. If I think I'm right, I can't be forgiven. The only people God forgives are sinners. Everybody say sinners. Everybody can be forgiven if they're a sinner. But if you think you're not a sinner, you can't be forgiven. So somebody says, well, what about the homosexuals? Can they be forgiven? Absolutely. Say you're sorry for being a homosexual. Say you're sorry. Oh, well, they were born that way. You don't know how I was born then. I was born an, a murderer. I've wanted to kill people. I was born an adulterer. I lust after other men's wives. I have. I was born a liar, too. Boy, you don't know how many lies I told. I was born a thief, too. I got the scars on my body to prove it broke into a gas station, too. You might want to pick another church. Oh, yeah. I was born covetous. I was born jealous. Before you even knew how to, before, listen, before I even knew my A's and B's, I punched a girl in the nose, gave her a bloody nose. Shame on me. You know why? Because she took my toy. I was supposed to share. I didn't. I was in kindergarten. My parents were just here in the first service. They'll tell you. I got so angry as a little child. Punched her in the nose. My mom then took a paddle on the way home, broke it on my butt all the way back to my house. She then grabbed out another paddle and spanked me. But it never changed me. Now, some of you say, man, it was never that bad. But let me ask you something. You ever tell a lie? You ever take something that doesn't belong to you? You ever lust after somebody you're not married to? You ever uh, take the name of the Lord in vain? What am I naming off right now? Do not lie, do not steal, do not covet, do not blaspheme. What are those called? Okay, so were we all born breaking commandments? Yeah, at some point we were. Who taught my daughter how not to obey me? She's only three, four years old. She's not obeying me. But here's the thing. God has mercy on the children. So you grow up as a child under the mercy of God, but then eventually you make your own path. You make your own decision. How many know right around the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, you started making your own decisions? How many know for parents that's the time it starts to get tough? By the time they get to teenagers, they're starting to be their own person, aren't they? Well, that's when God's going to start judging you, isn't he? Right? So you say, what about the homosexual? They were born that way. Well, guess what? I was born a sinner too, Jack, and I got born again. I'm not using that as an excuse. Let's not use it as an excuse either. 
How many believe the Bible believes? How many believe the Bible talks about a judgment day? Amen. Look at it. Ephesians, or rather Galatians. How many ever heard of the book Galatians? Anybody? How many know there's a book in the Bible called Galatians? Here it is. Go up to the top, please. Verse 20. Verse 20. Go up. up, up. You got to go up. Wrong way. There we go. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. This is the stuff your flesh wants to do. And you're not alone, by the way. Everybody's flesh wants to do this. Be sexually immoral, impure, debaucherous. All three of these things is what you see on reality TV, music videos. I don't have time to get into all that. Idolatry, witchcraft, checking your horoscope and all that, just wanting to know the future but not wanting to do it God's way. That's a sin. Hating each other, discords, jealousy, fits of rage, pretty much like the way lunchrooms are at work. Hello. Pretty much the way lunchrooms are in high school. You know people don't grow up, right? You can get older, but you don't get smarter. How many know that? How many, you can be, how many know you can be old and dumb? Y'all don't believe me? You don't know enough old people then, do you? Oh, I'm telling you the truth, aren't I? You could be old and dumb. How many know you can be young and smart, though? When are you going to start being smart? You, you decide, don't you? When are you going to start being wise? What age? I'm teaching my children to be wise now. I give them a $2 allowance every week, one for their behavior, a dollar for the behavior, and a dollar for their schoolwork. My daughter has earned $4. She wanted to buy something for $4. But the purse that she wanted, or rather she wanted to buy something for $10, that purse was $10. She only had $4. I was this close to buying the purse for her and then saying, hey, you pay me the rest as you go. But you know what? I wanted to teach her how to save money. She started to cry in the store. She didn't lose her $4. The purse wasn't going to go anywhere. It's one of those kind that they keep making and stocking. But she was going to start crying. Why was she going to start crying? Because she didn't know how to save. How many of you get paid on Friday, cry on Monday, don't know how to save? Hello. See, I'm telling you, you can be young and dumb, or you can be young and smart. You can be old and dumb, or you can be young and smart. See, we've got to learn to start saving. But here we go. Idolatry, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. And what's this word right here? What's that word? Is it a bad word? We're in church. What's that word? Or Jesus and the like, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit what? Kingdom of God. Anybody have any questions? Anybody? I'm being serious. Anybody have any questions? Jose will pass it around for you. The kingdom of God is our message today, and the kingdom of God is a serious place. You want to go to the kingdom of God. You want to be in the kingdom of God. We got a question over here quickly. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Come on. Let me say this and then ask it, please. You want to be in the kingdom. Listen to me. Don't let sex keep you out the kingdom. Don't do it wrong. My mom was uh, just here in the first service. They've been married almost 50 years. She dropped out of high school at 15 to have a baby. She's changed her life. God came into her heart as an older woman. Then she remarried my dad and had me. Her first husband was an alcoholic. My sister died drinking and driving because of alcoholism. My other sister lived with her boyfriend for a while. He beat her. And then my brother lived with his girlfriend, and he beat her. I'm just telling you all my business. Is that okay? Aren't you tired of hypocrisy in the church? And it doesn't help anybody. Why be fake? Let's just keep it real. Your life's not perfect, is it? If it is, can I come home with you tonight? Let me meet your perfect family. So anyways, this was my family. My mom is here, and she was telling me uh, about watching this TV show, you know, and they were kissing, and they were making out, and this was a dirty scene, you know. They weren't supposed to be making out. They weren't married, and they just kept doing it and doing it, and my mom uh, said to herself, it's not that good. You see, sin is not that good. Those of us who have had sex, we know it's not that good to go to hell over. Some people here say, man, sex will make me happy. You haven't had enough of it then because eventually sex won't make you happy anymore. 
You haven't had enough of it. Some people say money will make me happy. Money, 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 money. You haven't had enough of it then. Talk to somebody that has a million dollars. You may not know a millionaire, but they may be sitting next to you. Talk to somebody that has more money than you because you may say, if I had a job that paid me 30000 and I had a car and I had a house, I'd be happier. Go talk to that person that has 30000 car and a house. You know what? They want 60000 Go talk to the one with sixty. They want a hundred. Go talk to the one with a million. It's never enough. It may give you some temporary pleasure, but it won't satisfy your soul. Some people say, I want power. Well, you've never met anybody with power then. There's people that have power, and they realize it's empty. Some people say education will make you happy. I'm getting my doctorate right now. People that have educations aren't any more happier than you are. They have their PhDs. You might look at your doctor and say, well, he's so much happier than I am. Have you ever had coffee with him? Talk to him. He may have more problems than you. There was an old saying that said if everybody went outside today and put out their problems, you'd probably pick up yours and go back home and say, I'm glad I just have these. Hello. There's problems in other people's lives that you don't even know about. Hey, what's your question? What chapter is this? Five. Verse 21, Galatians 5.21. Anybody else have questions? Let's have Rachel come back to the keyboard. Let's give it up for Jesus and family. Amen. I could do that all day. We're going to dedicate some children today and honor them before the Lord. Let us start with honoring Ariana Rose Balmesada. Mesida. Is it Bal? Balmesada. Balmacera. Will you please pardon me? Please pardon me. Say it one more time. Bal? Balmacera. Balmasada. What am I messing it up? <laughs> Balmasada. Balmasada. Fuego. Amen. How many sisters want to stand with her as she raises her, her daughter? I'm going to decide. Amen. You're going to stand with her too, Carmen? How about my wife? You're going to stand with her? I don't mean to embarrass you, but is, is, is the father in his life? He is? He's going to make it today? God, I thank you today for Giovanni, her father. He couldn't make it today, but I pray you bless him. I pray that he will be the husband you've called him to be because you guys are married, right? Oh, you, you want to get married? Not sure. Okay, well, let me just pray that he'll be a husband one day. Can I do that? Okay, sorry. Father, I pray that you bless this man to be a husband, to be a father, that he will be the man you've called him to be, to take care of Ariana, to bless her, to teach her how to be a good man so that when she gets older, She'll pick a man just like her daddy, a dedicated man, a faithful man, a man who serves you. Bless Giovanni, God, as a father. In Jesus' name. Would you pray for Anna? God, I just thank you for Anna, God. God, I thank you that she's here. God, I thank you that she accepted you in her life, oh God. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing in her life, oh God. God, I pray that you give her peace. God, I pray that you give her joy. God, I pray that you give her... um. Love God, God. I pray that she understands who daughter she truly is. God, God, I thank you for um 
for her and her daughter that are here today, God, God, I thank you for a pure heart, God, that she wants to dedicate her daughter today, God, unto you, God, as she de dedicates her, her own life unto you, oh God. Um, God, I pray that you bless her, that you bless her family, that you um, continue to direct her in a, in a straight path um, of wisdom, of love, of joy, and just to be with you and to seek you, God, and to love you and just to, for you to fulfill her and complete her. And um, just, I pray, pray blessings and joy over her, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Stretch our hands towards Ariana as a sign of commitment, just like you're stretching your hands going, hey, I got your back, Ariana. Father, I thank you today for Ariana. I pray you bless her. I pray she'll grow up strong to be a mighty woman of God, that you'll keep her safe all the days of her life. May she be wise and full of wisdom. Lord, and may when she gets old, God, make the right decision to serve you. May she put you first in all that she does. May she learn to succeed in whatever business or career path she goes in. Bless her now and bless this family in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you, Ariana. We love you. Thank you, Anna. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I am not messing this up. I am not messing this up. I have practiced this. God is my witness. I have practiced this. I have practiced. Please be patient with me. I will do better. I will do better. Your pastor tries so hard. Leonice. Leonice, I got it? Yes. Leonice Avery Soto. Give it up as she comes, guys. Come on. We have Erica coming, the mother with her father, uh, with uh, Leonice's father, Louis Soto. And if you want to call up any grandparents, aunts, anybody you want to come stand with you, come on. This is now your second. We dedicated this young man before, right? Amen. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day, God. I thank you for Erica and the strong mother that she is to both Ethan and Leonice. Leonice. I 
thank you so much, God, for blessing her. I pray that you would give her the wisdom that she needs to raise these children in the fear of the Lord. I pray that they would see you in her first, in her actions, in her words, that they would experience the love from uh, a godly father because they've seen it in her, in their mother. And I just ask, oh God, that she would just view the world and everything around her through your great blessings. Every great and precious gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And I just pray you bless her children. Bless her, give her strength and wisdom in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for uh, Lewis, God, and I pray that he would marry uh, Erica and he would love his wife as Christ of the church and his wife would submit to him and to, um, unto the, as unto the Lord in everything. I pray for the children to obey them in the Lord, for this is right, that they would honor their father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so they may go well with them and they may enjoy long life on earth. I pray that the parents, especially Lewis, will not exasperate his children, but instead raise them up in a training and instruction of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your daughter. I'm so nervous when I hold other people's baby. I have four, but it's always when somebody else's, you know. Oh, praise God. Let's set our hands towards this wonderful family just as a sign of agreement. Lord, we thank you today for what you're doing in Lewis's life and Erica's life for this precious family. Oops, sorry. We thank you, Lord, for today for Leonice. We ask you to bless her. And this young man who I forgot his name, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan. That's an awesome name. Lord, bless him and bless the aunts, the uncles, the grandmas, the grandpas, the godmother, godfather, whoever couldn't make it today, Lord, bless them, and may they all do their part to raise up this great family. In Jesus' name, and can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's give a hand clap for them today. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. I hope you guys come back. God bless you. She is awesome. You got to teach us how to do that. We can't get ours to really calm down like that too much. I don't know. They got maybe too much of my blood in them. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Can I read the certificate? I forgot to read this. A precious baby girl the Lord has blessed you with. Sent down to you from heaven God's precious little gift. May you know God's leading to raise her in his love so she may become a woman of God with her faith in God above. And you know what? Something so special about Erica. She was in my youth group many years ago, and she still keeps coming back. And sometimes you may feel a little embarrassed, but you know we love you, and we're believing God for you, and I'm so proud of you. Amen. Keep, keep it up, and let us know how we can help in any way. We have a Wednesday's children's program that as they get older, you can drop them off, and you can have a night to yourself, okay? So there's something to do. And there's also a mother's group that gets together if you want to learn more about that. So love you. All right, everybody, open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Somebody say, the kingdom of God. Amen. You all tired? I got I to gotta go quick now, don't I? Kingdom of God. Can everybody say, the kingdom of God? Is that the best I'm going to get right now? Uh, pretty, can we do it one more time? Kingdom of God. Thank you. Now you guys are helping me. I know I should be motivated all by myself, but that helps to know that you actually want to hear it. The Kingdom of God is a new sermon series that we'll be talking about for this whole month, and I need the side uh, swiper, please. As you come for the month of September, come ready to learn about the Kingdom of God. I want you to learn what it means to be in the Kingdom of God, what it is, and how to function in it. It is something that I hope will radically change your life. 
if you're with me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, can you say I'm there? Wonderful. Let's take a look at it. And I just want to say this to Rachel real quick. Rachel, can you have some of the guys move all this so I can have a, a, a podium here behind these monitors? So, Ricky, will you help her move that just while I'm up here, some of the guys? Thank you. Because I want to have some space up here today. Thank you. If, if you're there in Matthew 6, 9, can you say I'm there? All right. Let's look at it. This is the part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can anybody keep going? Give us. Forgive us trespasses. We forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation from evil. For thine is the power. The what? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As you can see, thank you, I have taken out just a passage of the Lord's Prayer because I want us to focus on this. What do you think this means? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pretty much get that. God is in heaven, and we honor or hallowed his name. That's what it means. That's why we don't take the name of God in vain. But what does this part mean? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we can't pass around a mic and do the questions and answers right now, but just ask yourself that on the inside. Do you know what that means? Here's what I want you to think about. There is a kingdom in heaven where God is now, and God wants the principles, the way it is in heaven, to come down to this earth and the way we act and behave. That's what I think it means. What do you think it means? That we are to pray this. Because if it is a prayer that Jesus wants us to pray, it needs to be one we take serious. And if it's a serious prayer, that means it should change our lives. How many believe there's a kingdom of heaven where God is right now? Now, I want you to be honest. No, really, how many believe that? How many believe that? If you don't believe in God, once again, come see us after service. So you believe in God, right? And you believe that's where he's at. How many believe in earth? How many believe in earth? Okay. What's the shape of earth? Around. Okay, so make sure we're all up today, right? Do you believe in that? Okay, now let me ask you something. How does heaven come to earth? How does heaven come here? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? Somebody said the Holy Spirit. I don't want to give the answer yet, but I think that's close to it. So let's keep going. The next verse is found in chapter uh, 6, verse 33, a few verses later. And it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are we to seek first? What are we to seek first? The kingdom of God. And what comes next? His righteousness. Now, what do you think all things are? Well, if you don't have, if you have time, rather, please read Matthew chapter six, and you'll see what Jesus was talking about. He was saying that people run after jobs and run after their clothes and run after and seek after their money. And what God was saying is, you need to put something before money. You need to put something before your clothes, and that's the kingdom of God. So let me ask you this question: What comes first, God or your job? What comes first, God or your money? Okay, now if you're a little bit confused on that, because I know some people it gets confusing, they say, why should I give 
a tithe to the church because God don't need no money. He ain't broke. You're not understanding how it works. God has a kingdom on this earth, and he's using people to forward that kingdom. So God uses the money you give on earth for his kingdom. So how many believe God and the church giving comes before what you want to spend your money on? Say, I don't know. I got about, about half the amends on that that I had before. See, because now that's risky, isn't it? Because now it's like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to give my money to that pastor. Look at that pastor. He dresses nicer than me. So funny, the first time I wore these shoes, I got the, what are those? What are those? Well, these are really cushiony sketchers. And they feel really orthopedic. And that's why I wear them. Uh, everything else is courtesy of Target courtesy of Target. I stopped shopping designer once I got married. Wife had all the designer clothes. My wife stopped shopping designer once we had kids. So that's how it works. Husband stops when he marries his wife. Wife stops when you have kids, right? So, you know, we, 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 get, we get concerned about where's the money going? Where's the money going? My goodness, they picked it up. Where'd it go? But here, here's the idea. At some point, you've got to trust somebody. You've got to trust a church that has the mindset and values you do that's going to use the money for God's kingdom. So you can't always be walking around using that as an excuse. Oh, I can't put, uh, uh, you know, the church and God with, with that 10% tithe before my bills because they're going to steal it. They're going to do bad stuff with it. No, no, no. Put the tithe first. Honor God and find a church you trust. And if you don't trust this church, I'll give you three churches down the road. So stop making the excuse, find one you trust. And there is a good church. I just had the financial meeting with our, our leaders yesterday. You can see the same things we do. You can see where the money goes. You know how much we were in debt last month, August? $6,000. You know why? Because at the beginning of August and at the end of July, we had to store up all of our monies. Um, it all came onto this budget, all the outreaches that we did. But you know where that 6000 came from that was under? It came from savings. Somebody say amen. Where did it go? $500 for the barbecue last week, $500. That, we didn't have that in our monthly budget. It had to come out of savings. How many know what the monthly budget is and savings are different? Do you guys have savings account? You know it's kind of different. If you go above your budget, you got to tap into that savings. Hello. $500 for that. You know the 15-passenger van needed a $1,200 repair. The station wagon that our youth pastor drive needed a $500 repair. That happened last month. You see, I could go on and on and on and tell you where it is. We scholarship some of our Bible school students. So you know what? This church is not wasting its money. As a matter of fact, sometimes we go a little bit under because we do so much. But you know what? I'm so proud of our financial committee. Ricky's on it. Ricky, would you raise your hand? So if you ever need to borrow a dollar, talk to him. I'm just kidding. Half kid. You know, the homeless guy, he asked the guy, you know, that's working. He says, man, you got any money? You know, I need $5. The, the, the working man looked at him and said, I was going to ask you the same thing. I need to fill up my gas tank. How many people know money doesn't come easy, right? Everybody needs it. But here's the thing. When we were talking in our financial committee, you know what we said? We said, I'm happy we use the money that way. Because what's the point of just having a savings account if you never use it? How many tap into your savings account for some important stuff? You go in there every now and then. You go, you know what, I need a new pair of shoes, and, you know, I'm a little short this month, but I'm going to take that out. Or you go, you know what, I've been saving up all year long, and I'm going to go on a vacation. I'm going to do that. You see, I'm willing to do that here. So you know what, put God before your money. Be a tither. I've been a tither before I was a pastor, so I don't have any skin in the game. I'm telling you the truth. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everybody say God's kingdom comes first. Did I say that, or is that what he said? 
Okay, how many would like to know what the kingdom of God is? Would you like to know here in the next few moments? Today's message won't be much longer than three hours, so you guys have got plenty of time, right? Nobody's got to go to work tomorrow. I know you ain't got to go, no, go nowhere. So you all ready? You all ready for three-hour message? I'm just kidding. Half kid, hour and a half. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, if you read the Bible, it's the same place. God and heaven are synonymous because God is where heaven is. So, you know, don't think that to let that confuse you. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is God's kingly rule through Jesus Christ over all creation and people. It was the primary message of Jesus. When you have a kingdom, what do you have to have? What's the most important thing you think you got to have in a kingdom? A king. Who's the king? Jesus is the king. Isn't that important to know? Sometimes people think Jesus is kind of like that kid who has acne, and I used to have acne, so don't feel bad if you do now. You'll grow out of it, half grow out of it, I should say. I'm still 40, and I get, I'm 40, and I still get zits every now and then, almost 40, 38 years, so I get zits. But here's the thing. Watch this. Sometimes we think Jesus is that kid with acne on American Idol, and he comes up, and he goes, uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Jesus, and I died for you. And I just, I just really want everybody to vote for me so I can be your king one day. And I, I really will be a good king to you. And, and if you vote for me, I'll take you to my, my father's house and, and we'll play in mansions and be on streets of gold. So vote for me. That's how people treat Jesus. Jesus is not needing your vote. He's a king. The only reason why he came in a manger before he existed and came into a manger as a baby was so that he could die for our sins. He is still a king, my friends. When he was on this earth, he walked on water. He calmed the, shore, uh, the storms of the sea. He has everlasting and eternal power. And when he comes back this time, he is coming to judge the world. You don't want to be in his kingdom. You get punished. Now you may say, that's unfair. That's unfair. He created me, and then he expects me to live for him, and if I don't, he sent me to hell. What kind of God is that? That's how people think. Let me ask you something. Is God a rapist? When, when my wife and I were just dating, if I would have came up to her and put a gun to her head and said, you're going to love me and nobody else, is that good love? Is that, am I being a good man? If I then would have killed all the other men and said, now I'm the only one left, you better marry me. Am I a good man? Or what if I put some drug in her, uh, hallucina hallucination drug in her drink and, and, it, and it made her get loopy and then she chose me under those, that influence of the drug, would that be love? Now, why do we think God would be any different? God didn't make you to love him. God made you with free will. Now, he made you for love, but he didn't make you to love him. Now, some people, they want to fall in love with their computer. They want to fall in love with the little image that they make. There was a, t a movie out called Ex Machina, if I'm saying it right. I can't even pronounce words today. Put it up, the, the, the whatever. I'm not trying to promote it, but let people know I'm not crazy. A man creates his own woman. A robot and says, you're going to love me and you're going to love me long time. Let's see if my, my computer loves me. Siri, do you love me? Would you like me to search the web for love? <laughs> Siri, do you love me? 
Let's just say you have my utmost admiration. Oh. You're supposed to love me, Siri. Is that what God made was robots? So if God didn't make robots and he's a king and he has a kingdom, that must mean there is a place where there's not a kingdom where he's king. Hello. God's great enough to make a place where he is not. What do we call the opposite of heaven? What is really hell? The place where God is not. He won't force you to go into the kingdom. But he is establishing one. He is coming back to judge the earth. He is coming back to put his kingdom right here on earth and he will bring peace to the Middle East. He will show the world that he is the son of God because as he went in the clouds of heaven, he is coming back in the clouds of heaven. But here's the deal. You don't have to be there. You choose. So is it really God's fault that anyone goes to hell? Who sends themselves to hell? himself. Here's the movie, Ex Machina. This crazy man <laughs> created this woman and something happened with a, whatever, a love triangle and they're all loving on this woman and she wants to kill them. I don't know. But the point is, you've, don't tell me, don't, if you know it better than I do, don't tell me because I don't want anybody to get spoiled. But anyways, the point is this. Some men would love to do this. If they had the power, they would make a woman in their own, you know, the, the image they want. Never argue with me. Never nag me. Now I have my wife, right? Could make love to her however, whenever I want. But you see, this is not how God made us. God's not dirty. God's not filthy. God made us to be his children. When children get to a certain age, they get to move out if they want. They get to do things on their own. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had the choice. Here it was. Eat from this tree. You stay as long as you want. Every time you eat from this tree, you're showing me you want to stay. Here's another tree called the knowledge of good and evil. You eat from that tree, you will know bad as well as good. Your choice. Which one do you think they ate from? Do you only know good in your life or do you know good and evil? Now as you are conscious, you are alive, you are up today, you are in the land of the living, you make your choice. What do you want? How many want the kingdom of God? How many want to know how to get to the kingdom of God? Can I show you? Go quickly to John chapter 3. Rachel, will you come? Let's get ready to end this service and set them free. They got some barbecues to go to. They starting to party early. Amen. I just had Tony Vivid over, and we cooked. I'm going to destroy this name now, too. Lumpias. Does anybody know what lumpias are? They're taquitos, but for Filipinos, and they call them lumpia. Now, some people, they say taquitos are better, lumpia is better, but I think they're both good. They look exactly like taquitos. You roll them up. I've never made it, and it was wonderful. We made it with turkey meat, and it was healthy. Now, why am I saying this? Only because I am hungry. That's the only reason why I'm saying There's no point beyond that. I started thinking about barbecues. I started thinking about us making that. I'll let you make the decision because you know what they are, lumpias or taquitos, or are they both equally good? Lumpia, Lumpia. Awesome. Here's how we get into the kingdom. And you got to come back next week because i got so much more to talk about the kingdom. But here's how you get in. Jesus replied, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. 
And that might confuse some people, so for those who are new, let's keep reading. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. How many understand what Nicodemus asked? Jesus said, you have to be born again. And then Nicodemus said, can I go back into my mother's womb? Could you go back into your mother's womb? Could you fit back into your mother's womb? It's crazy what you find in the Bible when you actually read it. So he's like, I don't understand, Jesus. What are you talking about? How am I going to be born again? How am I going to fit? Now watch what Jesus says. Somebody say, Jesus said. Thank you. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of God. The first thing he says here is you can't be born again unless you're born of the water and of the Spirit. The water represents the Word of God that washes your soul. And the Spirit is that which comes inside of you. When you are baptized into the physical water, it represents the spiritual water of the Word that cleanses you. The only way you can be changed from your sinful self is by the Word of God changing you. The Bible says people perish for lack of knowledge. Some of you didn't even know what sins were until you read the Bible because nobody taught you. You didn't know how to do what was right because no one taught you. The Bible says of itself that it is a lamp unto our feet. It guides us in the paths of righteousness. The Bible is what washes your mind. You ever heard about being brainwashed? How many know some of your brains need some washing? Need some scrubbing up there, don't they? You got to get rid of some stinking thinking. You got some junk in the trunk of your brain, don't you? How many wish they could scrub out some old relationships? How many wish that they could be, be washed of the pain of what others have done to them? That's what it's talking about. And then born of the Holy Spirit. And then he compares it. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. How many of you have flesh right now? Do you have flesh? Can you touch it? Does your neighbor have flesh? Or are they a ghost? Touch them just to make sure they're there with you. Are they there? Okay. Now touch your spirit. Touch it. Decorate it. Put some earrings on it. Dye its hair. Can you, can you touch your spirit? Can drugs touch your spirit? Some people are like, man, I'm so high, man. I'm spiritual, man. I'm like so spiritual. No, you're just high. That's all that is. Your brain has shut off certain parts of itself, and you think that's cool. You're no different than the Alzheimer's patient. You just temporarily hindered your brain from functioning correctly. Oh, man, what's he talking about? He don't know. I used to smoke weed all the time. I think I do know. Are you listening to me? I don't recommend it to anybody. Praise God. Don't ever do it. There's nothing to it. Amen. There's nothing to drugs. I promise you. Nothing to it. It's a deception. It's a lie. It's a lie. Now, you can't touch your spirit, but spirit can touch spirit. The Holy Spirit can touch your spirit. So how many of you have ever felt God touch your spirit? How many have ever... In alone, being by yourself or in church, singing songs or praying, you felt a part of you on the inside, we call it your heart, not the thing that beats blood, a pumps blood, but you felt something deeper on the inside and you knew that was God. 
Some of you may be not sure, but a lot of us know we felt God. God has spoken to us. When I was young, I felt God speak to me. And I did drugs for a long time. And then when I became a Christian again, it literally came to me so fast. What I was looking for this whole time was always there with God. It was always there with God. I was trying to make myself better with these things, but God is the answer. Okay? You have to be born again to enter the kingdom. Don't leave out of here unless you're born again. And here's how I want you to think about the kingdom as we get ready to leave. Three ways to think about the kingdom. Their notes are online. You can go back and study it this week. But there is the kingdom of God there in heaven. That's the aspect of where the throne is. Wherever heaven is, God is there. And there's real angels there. And then there is the kingdom here. The kingdom that God said was within us. Those who were born again could experience by the Holy Spirit. You could feel God in you. Remember, that's part of the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Well, where on earth? In a tree? Is the kingdom coming to my puppy dog? No, the kingdom comes to my heart when I'm born again. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me on earth as it is in heaven. See, where is the kingdom coming on earth? To me, to you, to our neighbors. And how many are invited to the kingdom? Everybody. Is Belmont and Clark invited to the kingdom? How many want to see Belmont and Clark come into the kingdom of God? If you don't know what happens on Belmont and Clark, just go there and visit one night. Just go there Friday night and roll up and see what you find out there. How many think Devon Street should come to the kingdom of God? How many think Devon Street should be there? Anybody know what's on Devon Street? Southeast Asians, those who are Muslims or primarily Hindus. How many think they should be coming to the kingdom of God? How many think people on your job need to come to the kingdom of God? How many think police should come to the kingdom of God? How many think gangbangers should come to the kingdom of God? How many think every nationality you can think of, language, should come to the kingdom of God? Right? Every age, every tribe, every tongue. There's only one race, the human race. Don't believe any other lie. Our skins are all just the color of dirt, my friends, because that's where it goes back to the dust. Well, well, mine's lighter than yours, so I'm better. That's what white people used to say, right? They're dumb. Your white skin gets burned in the sun. You can't do nothing out here. Hello. And then now we all try to be like the Puerto Ricans, African Americans. Help us, God. But we were dumb, right? And then we see that we put each other down because of the, the way that we were raised or the language that we speak. Only one race, my friends. One race, the human race. And the human race is invited to the kingdom of God, okay? The kingdom here, but guess what? This is not all there is. You could come to this church and be like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. I've got other things to do. I'm going to do something else next week. I saw, I saw a woman bringing in her laundry to do laundry today, and that's awesome because, you know, you got to do laundry. How many of you got to do laundry? But how many know church is better than laundry? But some people are like, oh, I got to do laundry. It's Sunday. God do laundry. No, 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 church becomes before that. But maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, I'll just do laundry next week. Guess what? The kingdom of God is still coming. There's the kingdom there and there's a kingdom here, but then there is a kingdom coming and you will see it, my friends. You either die and see it up there or you'll see it come down to this earth. And so what God is telling us is start with the kingdom there, look to it up there and wait for it to come here. I know that sounds confusing, but I'll say it like this. I'm participating with the kingdom there and anticipating it to come down here. 
participating, anticipating, participating, anticipating in heaven as it is on earth as it is in heaven. It's happening, not as much as I would like. One day it will for real all over the place. But right now, where does it start? It starts with me. How did the kingdom of God come to me right now? Well, Joe needs an attitude change. I lose my temper sometimes. Do you think anybody in heaven loses their temper? Come on, Jesus. Well, I mean, it's taking so long up here for the food to get ready. My goodness, I've been behind this angel for so long. They're taking all the good food. How many think they complain like that up in heaven? So that I should, so that I should stop complaining down here on earth, shouldn't I? Do you think there's perversion in heaven? No, so I shouldn't be perverted on earth. Is there jealousy in heaven? Man, look at your mansion. It's so much better than mine. I hate you. I'm going to talk about you now on Facebook. I'm going to stalk you. Be a hater. Should I do that then on this earth? See, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, starting with me. So what do you need to do to be like God in heaven? Come back next week. I'm serious, come back next week because we'll be talking about these three things. I don't have time right now, but we'll be talking about a relationship with God, what that looks like, the power of God. We'll be talking about righteousness, peace, and joy. We'll be getting into it this whole month of September, but this, this message today was just meant to be the introduction so that everybody here could understand at least one thing. There is the kingdom of God, and God's kingdom starts here now. One day it's coming to earth. Did you all get that today? Let's stand up and give God a hand clap for his kingdom. Amen. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for inviting us to your kingdom. Can I get the altar workers and band, please, to come up? How many, uh, could you just turn that down just a little bit? Thank you. How many have already entered into the kingdom of God on this earth? You've entered in. Four of you. I want to talk to the four of you right now. Come on, raise your hands high. I need to know who I'm talking to. How many are in the kingdom of God? Okay, a few over here, a few over here. Okay, listen. Those of you who raised your hands, have you felt the presence of God speak to you about what needs to change in your life? Did you have God bring you conviction? Okay. Guess what? That means you're growing. That means you're growing in the kingdom. Those of you who raised your hand, another question I want to ask you. Has God transformed your emotions to make you feel things that you didn't used to feel. Whether it's love for an enemy or a love for someone you normally wouldn't like or sadness when things you, you know, you like, like the news never used to bother me. But now when I watch the news, sometimes my heart breaks. Can you put up that picture of the Syrian kid I put on my Facebook? What's going on in the Middle East is just too much for me to handle. I was weeping and weeping, but I never would have felt that way. How many of you have just felt different emotions since being in the kingdom? You know what that is? That's God showing you his heart. One last thing, one last thing. Those of you who have already been in the kingdom, let me ask you another question. Even though, watch this, I've got to be serious with you. Even though you weren't around 2,000 years ago. You never saw Jesus. You never watched him die. You never watched him raise from the dead. Uh, and of course, you've never been to heaven. You've never seen it. You've never seen the throne. But how many of you who have been to the kingdom or in the kingdom, you know in your heart that those things are real and that you know in your heart that you're going there, you're going to see him? How many believe that? Okay. I just want to speak to you on this, this real quick. Yeah, before you put it up, just real quick. You know what God is showing you? 
He's showing you that the kingdom is inside. And it's real. Even though you haven't seen these things, things are changing. Like, you never knew you could be the person you are now, but God changed you on the inside. You never knew that you could feel the way you feel now, but God changed you. You never seen all those things, but you believe they're there. Can I tell you what these are called in philosophy? In philosophy, these are called axioms. These are things that we base our lives on even though we don't see them. Now, biblically, it's called faith, but I want to put this in your mind as an axiom. Why? Because people who don't have faith in God, they have different axioms. And you know what? They've never seen those things either. The difference is, is you have a confirmation yours is real. So let's take, for example, the guy who starts a business like Donald Trump, right? I don't think he's a Christian. Or at least he doesn't act like one. Do I get an amen for that? Come on, come on, come on, my Latino brothers and sisters, amen. But if he thinks to himself, I'm going to start a business and build this building. Has he ever seen that building before? No. He's like the Chicago building. No, he's never seen it. But he believes in himself that he can do it. Now, guess what? Himself could die in a car accident and never live and never even see the end of it. But he has faith in himself, and he'll build a building. How much more for us, those of us in the kingdom have faith in God and build buildings, right? See, now you see there's a practical application. How many think we should be raising our children a certain way? See, if people can do it believing in themselves, believing in the future, hoping, you know, there's people investing in stocks and they don't even know what the stock market holds. The stock market went down just a few weeks ago, beginning of last week, you know what I'm saying? They don't even see that stuff, but yet they're believing in it. How much more us who know on the inside God is real should be doing things in the kingdom? Okay, now lastly, I know we got to get going. Those of you who have not been in the kingdom yet, let me ask you a question. Are you willing to trade what you're living your life for for what God did for you? Are you willing to do it God's way? Are you willing to say, hey, this man died for me that I could live. I want to make that step. I want to make that decision. I want to make that trade. Because here's the deal. I can't force you and God can't force you. And I'm sorry if you've ever been to churches where you felt like that's what they were trying to do, but we're really not supposed to. You've got to make that decision. And if you do, these altar workers are here for you today first. Because we, we'll pray for everybody today. But first, I want to make this for the people who want to start their life in the kingdom. And all you got to do is be born again. And that means to say, God, I trust in you. Start in me a new person. Does everybody get that? And then both of us, those who are in the kingdom already and those who start the kingdom today, Let's come back next week and start learning about it. Do you know that every one of Jesus' parables was about the kingdom of God? Go back and check your Bible and see if I'm telling you the truth. It was the number one subject Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. That was it. Every parable, that was it. Look, check it out. Trust me, I'm not lying. I've been there. Read the Bible. How many people have read the Bible? Don't lie. You read the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation? Okay, some of you open your hands down, but I'm telling you the truth. Every parable, every teaching is about the kingdom. Let's learn it. Let's do it. Father, I thank you today. Would you pray with me in closing? Father, I thank you today for those who came to hear about your kingdom. I pray I did a good job. If I messed up in any way, uh, please correct me, Lord, through the teaching of your word. But God, I now ask that each one of us will study these things, check our hearts to make sure that we're in your kingdom. And if we're not, that today we'll be born again to start our lives in, our, in your kingdom. 
With every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to speak to some of your hearts. May my words touch your heart today because I believe they're powered by the Holy Spirit. If some of you are thinking you cannot join the kingdom because of all the wrong you've done, I want to tell you that's not true. You are welcome just the way you are. If some of you are thinking you can't go into the kingdom because you're of a different religion or you've been taught differently, that is not true. All you have to do is start by putting your trust in God. Those other questions, those other issues will be dealt with later. But today, all you have to do is say, I believe Jesus died for me so I could be in his kingdom. Now as Rachel just pray, uh, plays, let us pray privately. And then we're going to confess that one last time, just that first part of the Lord's Prayer and dismiss today. And those who need prayer can come up just as you are, without judgment, without anybody looking down on you. But I want us to pray quietly right now, please, just for your own sake and my own sake. start over again I want my past erased I want to be with you let's just pray the first part of this Lord's Prayer together our Father our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven today God start in us Start in me. Start in my family. Bless us as we enjoy this holiday weekend. Bless the families that came out today for the dedications. And may we be in your kingdom wherever we may be this weekend and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for God. We love you, Lord. Amen. God bless you as you go. If you want prayer, would you come now as some of us have to leave? Will the rest of you come and get prayer? Rachel, would you sing a song? Thank you for coming. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, come on up. We're going to reach out a little bit here in worship and prayer. God bless you as you go today. Go in the kingdom. We're going to put up the words and sing a little bit for those who don't know it. None beside God Almighty. Great I am. Hallelujah. If you're worshiping, worship today with all your heart in the kingdom of God. we're praying up here we're going to keep singing this song out 
But as you are receiving prayer today, I just want to encourage you that God loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to transform you. As we start studying this out, you're going to see in the kingdom of God, there is power of transformation of lives. There is peace in the soul. There is joy. There is the love of the Father. You're not a robot. You're a child. And God welcomes you into his house. He wants you to be with him. Those of you who are receiving prayer today, I hope that you know that this is a relationship. That God loves you. And that as you begin to live it out every day, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. You'll hear God's voice more and more. You'll feel him touch your heart. You'll, you'll hear his voice speaking to you like thoughts. And you'll say, man, where did that come from? And, and you'll know it. It didn't come from you. But it was God. That's the kingdom. There is new life in the kingdom. There are lives that are full of capabilities in the kingdom that never were before without it. I'm so thankful that today I'm in the kingdom of God here in this earth. Even though I haven't seen it yet, I know it's real because God is speaking to me. He's changing me. This is just the beginning. A few more moments and then we're going to sing this part again. Keep praying, those who are up here. If you're waiting for someone to pray, don't be in a hurry. God loves you. This is not uh, something where we do quickly. We take our time. You know the first thing that happened to me when I entered into the kingdom of God when I was 18 years old? It wasn't even that I stopped doing drugs and all that. You know what the first thing was? I cried, and not out of sorrow, but I cried out of joy. Have some of you felt that before? Like you're in God's presence and you just start wanting to cry? You know why that is? Because the Bible says that our hearts were like stone and, and they were dry. And God literally filled our hearts with so much good that it emotionally comes through our bodies. Think about that. Because I've cried for other things before, but when I was in the presence of God crying, it didn't feel like any other time I ever cried. It was literally the tears of joy, but so down deep in my soul, I couldn't even explain why. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just, I just feel this. It's a cleansing. It's a renewing. It's like a desert being refreshed with water, rainwater, you know? How about this? Anybody come into the kingdom and all of a sudden 